The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. Hi guys and welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast, a weekly show about all things Port Adelaide Footy Club. I am your host, Macca19, and joining me as co-host, as always, we've got Fishing Rick. How are you, mate? Mate, I'm great. I've worked out the problem, Macca. What's the problem? I've, uh, I've called the uh, Catholic Church, and uh, I've ordered a, uh, an exorcist, and they're coming down to the club uh, this week uh, to solve us our dilemma of uh, possession or over possession, and hopefully they'll they'll ridicule us of this uh, of this issue. And before we know it, we'll be back to our more normal, longer, direct game plan. Good call. I never know where you're going with these intros, but I love it. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> and back on the podcast, we've got Troby. How you going, guys? Good, good. Still shattered. Still shattered. Yeah. I don't know how long I'll last tonight. That's how devastated I am. Nice. All right. Well, let's get into our love and hate. One thing we loved, one thing we hated in and around Port Adelaide Footy Club this weekend. Rick, I'll start with you, buddy. Well, there's not much to probably love, really, Macca. Uh, so uh, I'm going to go with the fact that we're still equal second on the ladder. So for all the doom and gloom that uh, uh, all our supporters are going through at the moment and the woe is me, uh, let's put it in perspective. We're still equal second um, and it's going to be a tight... Uh, most likely five-way battle for the top four, but we're still in with with a big shot, and we just need to uh, straighten a few things out. And I'm still confident. Beauty, good attitude. I like it. And your hate? Oh, uh, look, my hate's going to be this week. I'm going to go Westoff, Jonas, Broadbent, and there's probably Kane Mitchell. Uh, there's a few boys that have just been. <laughs> underwhelming now for probably three or four weeks, especially yep. like Ebert since the Sydney game, but I'd say probably all of those boys, um, you know, and, uh, you know, they're obviously not doing it on purpose, but they're letting us down, um, and we need a consistent team effort. We can probably throw in Mumphreys and even Wingard to a lesser Absolutely. degree yep. uh, into that mix as well. So, you know, I've probably rattled off close to eight names there of players, and, you know, our team can't carry eight players not operating at nearly peak if not peak form. Yeah. Uh, so that's my hate. I want those players to pick up their game to where they can deliver. Triby, what about you, mate? Well, I'm going to go a different way, actually, because of all the doom and gloom and, you know, what's the point? I may as well just rattle off exactly what Rick said. <laughs> I'm going to say my love this week was actually David Myers of Essendon. I thought he starred as that big body uh, arc-to-arc intercept rebounder. He was strong. He was poised. He even snuck forward and kicked the goal. Yep. I mean, for a WA kid who's often talked about as a draft bust and he's always the first one mentioned as being on the boat home to WA, he's really stood up, struggled with injuries, got over that last year, he's really kicking on, and uh, he was just fantastic. It was exactly the sort of game we needed out of Broadbent, to be honest. Yep. That's a good call. He's turned into a very good player for the last Absolutely. 18 months. You think they uh, they picked him ahead of Dangerfield, they picked him ahead of Rioli, Loby, Harry Taylor. I mean, he's copped a lot, and uh, he's really coming good at about 24, 25, so he's coming into his prime. Yep. So he's still got that filthy mo going on too. <laughs> was, that, was that Hibbard or Hibbard, as the uh, Victorians call him, or has he got a moustache as well? 
I thought it was Myers. I don't know. I get them confused. They probably all have. They're mm. just robots. One, one cheat just blends into another. <laughs> now, now. I'm um, sorry. Probably yeah. a side effect, I think. <laughs> Could well be. Demoxinil. <laughs> and uh, my hate, Bomber Thompson and Paul Chapman to keep the Essendon theme up. Just piss off, boys. Like, we haven't beaten a team either one of these guys <laughs> worked at since that. Cassisi uh, does win it. Oh, oh, oh at Kidinia Park yeah. back in 2007. It's just really disappointing. Um, it was an absolute masterclass by Bomber Thompson on Ken Hinckley, like an apprentice versus master thing where Thompson kind of employed a, almost like a Clarko's cluster and completely choked us. Yep. And uh, as for Chapman, I mean, he's entering Boomer Harvey territory, isn't he? I mean, he'll still be tormenting us in one way, shape, or form until he's fifty, I reckon. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah, a little bit of a little bit of kind of backhanded positivity there. <laughs> no, I like it. My cool. love, uh, my love this week is the locker room. I was uh, lucky enough uh, to get a ticket thanks to our, our good friend Rick here, and I had great fun again. Um, it's such a great experience. We had Sean Hardy in the rooms um, and Ella Patty Carlisle as well. Um, yeah, it was good fun. Anyone that gets a chance to do it, I highly recommend it. It was fantastic. Well, I think the new sponsor, uh, the Gutter Group's got a four up for grab, so maybe the supporters should just keep an eye out for that and yep. might be able to get some there. Definitely. And my hate uh, is the lack of composure delivering the ball inside 50. We just have no composure um, in that final third of the ground at the moment. And it's incredibly frustrating. Um, I'm not sure that our, uh, our forward game style is, is working too much at the moment. You know, we just seem to, uh, to flood everyone out of the, out of the forward lines, a very sort of Pagan's Paddock style, um, and hope that our pace and, uh, and fitness um, can sort of run teams off, uh, off their feet as we uh, bolt inside 50. But the problem is that I don't think we've actually got a fitness advantage anymore. You know, with all the injuries that we've copped to our key players, um, you know, I think we've been uh, brought back down to the pack a little bit. We're not on a dry track anymore either. I mean, it's no, almost it's like a, the likes of Collingwood back in the late 90s and early 2000s when they'd have five, six, seven, eight wins on the board by May and then the, the heavy weather would start and they'd just fall off. I mean, that's what we're at risk of doing. That's it. And it's just... Mainly the delivery as well. I mean, the delivery was goddamn awful um, on uh, on Saturday night, just as it was against uh, the Crows in the showdown and against Sydney as well. Um, you know, a lot of players, when we're doing that sort of game style and running towards the goal, um, even if we don't have a player on, it just seems to be the fallout option is uh, stuff it, just hoof the ball as, as hard as you can. Um no matter what happens. And so many times, Essendon had players back, as the Crows did, as Sydney did, and they just completely mopped up all our sort of shit-ass forward entries. Yep. just wasn't good enough. We got the power to win, power to roll, come on. aggression, we are the power from Port. And, of course, the game we're talking about is Port versus Essendon was played at uh, at Adelaide Oval on Saturday night. It was a two-point loss, seven goals, 18, to eight goals, 14. Schultze was our only multiple-goal kicker with three goals. What do we think, boys? Where did it go wrong? It went wrong everywhere, Macca. Mm. Um, I think, uh, as we sort of alluded and people have spoken about on the on the forum, and it took a bit of a while for the, the media to sort of pick up with it post-game as well. Uh, I, didn't, I wasn't really happy with our game plan, 
Uh, I, you know, we sort of kept the arrogance of going with the, our traditional game plan, which I don't think was really suitable to the conditions, no. uh, whereas Essendon seemed to play a bit more of a, uh, a longer direct game plan, which obviously benefited them, especially in the first half. Um, you know, our handballing game was just, and that might be credit to Essendon as well, uh, pressuring us at the con, um, at the contest. But you know, we were probably forty kicks down on our average uh, for for per game uh, last night, which and our handball average was up, uh, which showed we were just over possessing, and it wasn't really the conditions uh, to do that. So as you said, um, you know, that over possession led to us being pressured which then led to poor ex- execution of skills, especially in the first half. And if you, if you look at the last quarter, uh, which we'll probably get to shortly, um, you know, that changed and we started creating more runs. So for me, that was a big one. Um, the over-possession, which led to the pressure, which led to poor delivery. And, uh, yeah, I think we, we really need to go back to basics as a footy team. Stop playing the flary type of game. I mean, what, Chad, Chad probably had about six attempts at a specky in the first quarter. Yep. Where's the leading? Up, where's the lead-up delivery? Essendon did it perfectly. You know, where's the lead-up delivery? And where's the smart footy? You know, Angus is trying to take it out in front in his hands in in wet, slippery conditions. What's what's happened to trying to take the chess marks? You know, it's just it's just basic football for the conditions, and we just didn't seem to play it. No, that's right. I guess the first question I've got is, uh, you know, there was a lot of conjecture on the boards about our selection uh, this week, how we went in quite small. Um, Triby, I'll start with you with this one. Do you think that had an effect on the uh, on the game? Oh, look, I don't want to sound like a Monday morning quarterback, but I'll say I'm a Thursday afternoon Nostradamus because <laughs> I, I I literally I was worried about this all week. In that we were dro- we we weren't dropping. We lost Trengove and Carlisle to injury. There's your two big defenders there, and to only bring in one tall who isn't even really a KPP in. Uh, Cameron O'Shea, I just thought, was flirting with our form, especially when Trengove, obviously, as we know, is our backup ruckman. Um, he chops out for Lobi, which means we had to bring Westhoff out of the forward line, which was going to leave Schultz on his own. I mean, I just, okay, I'll deign to the fact that maybe Tom Clurry wouldn't have been appropriate because Cam O'Shea can kind of play that role anyway, but we needed some sort of tall player again to just sort everything out structurally. And I, and I think that absolutely showed. As, as Rick said, Essendon's tools, even though they didn't play particularly well individually, they just straightened Essendon up and they were always there to provide Essendon with the outlet. You know, they could win it in a stoppage and they could bomb it long. And I think uh, Danaher and Carlisle created a couple of goals in the first quarter just by being there. You know, Danaher tapped one down the throat of, uh, I can't remember who it was. It was one of their smalls. might have been Merrick. Merrick. Yeah, for the second goal. And I just remember he just jumped straight up like he was on an elevator. And I I thought to myself, how small does Homsch look alongside, you know, just caused panic and we had no answer. Yeah, I don't think the uh, non-selection of tools hurt us overly much. Um, I can see the need for the the runners um, with our six-day break to their eight-day break. And um, and really, uh, as you pointed out, you know, their tools, well, they had a little bit of impact. You know, they weren't the dominant force which really led them to victory. Uh, it was probably our smalls that, that were just ineffectual with their delivery, uh, which was more so the problem. So I think we then need to look at um, the players that we're selecting. Are they capable of doing the roles that they're supposed to be doing? And if not, um, are there people in the background uh, that can maybe do a better job than some of the people that are in there. 
And I think there's a, a strong case that we could probably consider uh, some of the people that are being subs or uh, or in the in the seconds that could mount a strong argument to replace a couple of people that are underperforming um, in the senior side at this point in time. I just I just had horror flashbacks to the bad old days of the non-forward structure under Williams. You had Angus Monfries mm. playing the role of Brett Ebert. You had Chad Wingard playing the role of Daniel Motlop trying to take hangers on everybody's head. Yep. And you had Jay Schultz, a.k.a. Warren Treadray, just completely getting mugged every time we went in. And I don't know. It could be that I'm mentally scarred. It could be that I need to pay up with the psychiatrist. But for, for whatever reason, I just felt like we just kept banging our head against the brick wall and refused to adapt to the situation. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. I think... I think we're really suffering from the loss of Redden this year and even and to a lesser extent, Renouf now as well. They, they were probably the two players that were physically ready to uh, be that extra tall player that we needed. And so they're probably looking at the fact of, you know, we're, probably, we're better off having Monfries, Wingard, Gray, Schultz, Westhoff as our, our main forwards, more so than bringing in a Butcher or a Shaw who aren't ready and really denting their confidence. So I can probably see the argument for that, and I can also see what you're saying, Trabi, about um, that forward, because it irritates me too. I'd love another tall forward. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, maybe, you know, Redden would have been that perfect foil, you know, the ruck-forward combo. So uh, we're probably just a year out of whack, and we're just going to have to be patient as supporters because, yeah, the last thing I want, especially Mason Shaw, is rushing him in, him getting monstered with his confidence and uh, which might set him back a couple of years. Perhaps. Perhaps. Or it could make him the man. It he might have a breakout. He could have a breakout game, kick five goals and, uh, you know, and never look back. But obviously the coaches uh, don't want to take that risk. I guess the question for me is that are we too far, too far down the track um, this season to bring in a third tall forward with the uh, forward structure that we want to try and play with, which is that fast outside uh, running with the flight of the ball, Pagan's Paddock style. Um, are we going to be able to bring in a third toll forward um, and and have them be effective? Um, oh, have we reached critical mass? Do we need to fix this before the season gets away from us? And we sit here just like we did in 05 or uh, 01, lament the fact that if we just could have got that extra win or two, we could have been in the box seat. Well, that's, the, you... that's the, the, main, the second main question that I've got is, have we actually been found out? No, I don't think so. I think, I think the, uh, a little, I mean, what, we've lost three games by basically a goal or less. Um, you know, so if we would just uh, had a little bit more polish, maybe a little bit more experience, um, you know, we could maybe only have one loss on the board. So I don't know if we're necessarily being found out, uh, but part of me wonders, are the players actually starting to believe their their own height? I mean, we had a lot of media focus probably a month ago. Um, a lot of the media and experts were peeing out in our pockets, so to speak, and I feel like... Um, I feel like since then the boys have probably started to believe the hype a little bit. And, you know, really what had made us over the last year and a half is just a hard-working attitude and mentality and doing the basics right, which then led to the odd spectacular moment derived through doing the hard work. But it seems now um, we're trying to play a bit more flary, a bit more spectacular too often and just going away from what's made us a good team over the last year and a half. So 
you know, I think if we just go back to those basics and be a little bit smarter with our game plan, uh, I think we're, we're still in the hunt for uh, a, especially a top four and uh, hopefully going deep into the finals. Hmm. I guess for me, in the last six weeks, we've lost three games and we're really put under a lot of pressure by Melbourne, um, who all sort of played this real congested style against us. They blocked our space. You know, they were in our face the entire time. They they did really well in the contested possessions. Um, they didn't allow us to play through the corridor. Um, that's why I'm starting to think, you know, maybe other teams have seen a bit of a blueprint in how to uh, get us off our game. But what's the, what's the remedy to that? You know, if we can't play freewheeling, Bruce-free football, essentially, you need to have a couple of big boys to kick long to when those options close. And to, to see the likes of Robbie Gray and Hamish Hartlett, you know, dancing on a sixpence, trying to look for options that just weren't there. Yeah. You know, we, we tend... There was one point today I was re-watching the game where our spacing at stoppages was either one or the other. There was no... There was no hanging back off the contest to wait for an outlet handball. We either had three guys going for the ball, like beast to honey, or they all ran one way, assuming that the guy would win the 50-50 ball, or they kind of hung back out of the picture while three, four, five Essendon players crowded out and spaced to be able to get it out themselves. Yep. Now, Essendon were able to break lines and win the footy, and I hate to harp on it, but they had big boys to go along to in a, in a crisis. Whereas we tended to, we, we tended to look forward and we just had guys like Kane Mitchell and Angus Monfries running to space with two or three guys on their hammer. Um, you know, it would have been nice if we could have at some stage just had a big, big guy just to at, at worst win a contest in the air and bring it to ground and hopefully bottle it up to our goal. But we just didn't have that. Yeah. I mean, but we could have even, we could have even had a small there or a medium size and still tried to do the same thing. And I think that goes back to, uh, you know, trying to do too much of the flair instead of just doing the bread and butter leading and, uh, and trying to play the percentages. And, but, uh, and that comes down to, I know where you're going with the tall guy, you know, leading to a structural uh, aspect of our game plan. And I agree completely. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm not a big fan of just running back in an open space all the time. It, mm. it, uh, you know, it becomes a bit predictable. And Essendon were good. And I think the Crow showed it last week as well. You, you hang back just that little bit more. And so that way you can fill the space a bit quicker and it makes it almost impossible for us to lead into. And how many times last night did we kick to an unmanned Essendon player? You know, we, we almost spotted him out on the chest. You know, I know Macca sitting next to me, you were going off. And so was I. It was just ridiculous how frequently we were just spotting them up. That's right. As I said on the boards this afternoon, I think the moment that really summed up the game for me was, you know, with about three or four minutes left, um, I think we were only two points down at that stage. Um, Broadbent had the ball sort of slightly backwards of centre. We had two players in fantastic positions. If you want to use a bit of a soccer term, they were sort of offside, um, streaming towards goal. Um, I think it was Mitchell and Wingard. All we had to do was kick the ball within two metres of these guys and we would have kicked the easiest goal of their career and Broadbent manages to nail it straight down the throat of an Essendon player who was within 20 metres of no one. That just summed up the game for me and from that moment on, I had a bit of a, a tanty and just a slump back in my seat and didn't say a word for the rest of the game after that. It was essentially a maligned quarterback, you know, 
with the game on the line, he's got two wide receivers completely blown the coverage out the back, and he's thrown a pick six. It yeah. it just it just killed us, and it was it absolutely typified Broadbent's night for someone who has got a reputation at least for reading the play so well, breaking lines, hitting targets. For some reason, when that game's really on the line, he tends to just—I don't know whether—I don't know whether he panics too much, or he doesn't believe in himself, or he throws it on the boot too quickly. But dare I say it, Jasper Pittard in the same situation probably would have won us the game with his left yep. foot. Yep, I'd agree with that. Yeah, as I, and as I said to on the boards today as well, um, I reckon I were but sitting behind the goals. I sort of—I was paying close attention to Jasper and. You can really see where he's getting himself into trouble every now and again is when he when he moves to the right. Obviously, he's got no right side on him at all, and uh, so when he moves to the right, he has to swing back to the left. So, and if there's a couple of players pretty close by, obviously that's where he's putting himself on under pressure. So, I think he'll fix that up. But yeah, we need we need dare and we need run, and and that's probably the most noticeable thing over the last couple of weeks. We have been lacking lacking a lot of run. You know, when we're up and running, I, I mean, I can't even think. I reckon Brad Ebert's probably down fifty percent on his on his line breaking running that ET always talks about that he loves watching. I agree with that. I think he hurt his shoulder early on, didn't he? He went off and got it restrapped. I didn't say early in the yeah, first I'm, quarter. I reckon he went. Yeah, he went to he went to stick an arm tackle um, in Essendon's goal side, deep in Essendon's forward line, and I think he pinged it. You know, he went off. He went off and was had his Guernsey off and was restrapped, and he had strap. He already had strapping across his shoulder going around his torso. So, I mean, not to make excuses, when you cross the white line, you're fit. But whether he's carrying some sort of shoulder issue, which is preventing him from running as freely as he normally would, as silly as that sounds, um, I don't know. Well, I tell you what, he probably he took probably the best uh, overhead marks in our side out of anyone. So at least he had that going for him. His hands. Well, his hands and marking were fantastic last night. But, yeah, his, his running seems to be a little bit down. And I don't know. And I know a few people were sort of agree with me here, but I, I'm still not convinced that they're telling the truth. I, I think they've got him on a loaded program at this point in time. Uh, this is the only natural thing I can think of. I don't know. I've said it on the boards um, the last couple of weeks. I'm, I'm starting to think that there's maybe four or five players that have started to believe their positive press a little bit. You know, talking about... Monfries, Wingard, um, you know, maybe Hartlett, Jonas, you know, all these guys that have had a lot of positive press. Um, and ever since maybe that sort of Geelong and Fremantle stretch, um, they haven't really been the same. Mm. And but especially how Monfries, how have you seen Monfries' year this year? Because I've, I'm going to tee off a little bit and be, and be quite critical of him. I thought he had an absolutely brilliant season last year. Obviously, when we got him, he had a, a bit of a reputation as a diver um, and someone that really sought out the free kicks. I didn't, I didn't think I saw much of that at all last year. I thought he really knuckled down and you know tried to win the ball on his own accord quite a bit. But this year, all year, it, it almost seems like his first plan of attack is to try and win the free kick every single time he goes near the ball. And if he doesn't win the free kick, then he goes after the footy. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Am I being a little bit harsh there, or no, I, seeing the same thing? The the issue I had with Monfries was I thought he was playing fantastically well until he did his hamstring against North Melbourne. Yeah. Now, since he's come back, I don't know whether he doesn't have trust in his leg or whatever, but he's I don't think he's running anywhere near as hard as he did 
I don't think he's running anywhere as fast as he did. And you're right. I think he's now being sucked into these one-on-one contests where his first his first port of call is to try and dip back and get some sort of over the shoulder or push in the back. Yeah. And if it doesn't go his yeah. way, he, he goes into his shell. Yeah. I, th- I thought his first three grand games of the year uh, were very good, but, yeah, he hasn't been that great since he's come back from injury. Um, I think the other turning point where we sort of missed it a little bit last night as well was um, Aaron Young. I reckon if they brought Aaron Young halfway on through the third uh, instead of waiting for the uh, three-quarter time break, that could have been maybe the difference between the win and the loss, loss last night because he was quite influential when he came on the ground. He needed to start. In my opinion, well, he did need to start absolutely, yeah. and he, he needs to have a full game this week. He deserves a full game. Maybe he's well, in we... the friend zone, sort of a equivalent of being so good as a sub that that's where the coaches want to play. We could do a bit of name dropping here, Macca, and we were saying we were having a chat to John Casey, who called the uh, uh, the Sturt um, Maggie's game, and and I and I asked the question to him, uh, you know, was there any uh, standout plays in that game, like? That looked too good for the SANFL, and uh, and he w- he was of the opinion, you know, Aaron Young's probably been the player that he's seen, um, you know, especially last week, uh, you know, that should be, you know, playing AFL, and he just looks like an AFL player. And I, I thought Jay Schultz was fantastic last night too. I mean, when our kicking was absolutely atrocious by nearly every player in our side. Um, for Jay to, you know, from limited opportunities to get three goals was amazing. What, what was with the set the set shots last night? You know, Ollie Wines, uh, Matthew Loby, um, they, these guys, oh, these super reliable guys with the set shot, and they just, it's like they've all forgotten how to play basic football. Between the fumbles, the falling over, the missing the basic set shots, what's happened to these guys? And don't leave out Justin Westhoff. I mean, his last, his set shot kicking the last few weeks has been pretty de- deplorable, really. You've just got to write it out, don't you? I mean, who else do we have, realistically, who can mark, lead up and take that relieving mark or kick at key moments like he can? Yeah. He's got to, he's got to hit the target sometime, you know? He does. As much as, you, as much as you want to kill him, honestly. Some of the ones he's missed. Well, it's just disappointing that it's always, uh, as I've said a couple of times, it's always the clutch goals that we, you know, it's, it's that special time in the game where you think, God, we desperately need someone to take a big grab and kick a goal here and we'll be right in it. We'll be back in front, something like that. Bang, Westhoff takes a big mark, you little ripper, and then he shanks the kick. Mm. And the wind goes right out of the sails. The team, the crowd, everything. Yeah. Yeah, and I've got to say, another thing I wanted to point out too, I thought Hamish Hartlett last night, he responded very, very strongly from a poor game last week. But in he addition did. to that, it, it was it was probably one of the hardest games I've seen him play with his intensity going towards the ball. Um, he was pushing in and willing himself at the bottom of the packs, trying to get the ball and try and stop it and nullify the opposition. And I was very impressed with what his hardness last night. Now, Kane Mitchell, he's probably the most talked-about player on our boards uh, over the last month. How do we see his game, um, and how do we see his future? I'd say he's a polarising figure, absolutely, or even a polaroidsing figure, given the way he keeps getting selected. <laughs> Only kidding. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, look, I mean, 
Mackie, you've made some very good points about how, you know, senior players have got to perform and it's a bit unfair to make Kane Mitchell the whipping boy. But from my perspective, I think he's been given, for a fringe player, remember we, we got him on the rookie list, he's mature age, he's not 19 or 20, he's 24. He's got a Sandover medal and a best and fairest in his pocket from WA. Um, I think he's been given as fair a run in the Port Adelaide side for an on-baller type that I can imagine from a fringe-type player. Um, without wanting to get on a hobby horse, guys like Adam Thompson, Nick Lower, higher draft picks, Ben Newton, higher draft picks always seem to be on, uh, on a hiding to nothing. The minute they have a quiet game, they find themselves back in the SNFL. And for whatever reason, Ken has taken a liking to Kane Mitchell and he's just been given four to five weeks of football to try his best. And unfortunately... He's repeatedly coming up short. That miss, that misery got clear in the last quarter when we had all the momentum was absolutely unforgivable. Yeah. And, you know, as I said, he's a fringe player. And as far as the 35th or the 36th man on the list goes, he's probably better than most league-wide. But at what point do we not look in the kit bag of guys in the SNFL and go, right, you've had a fair run. You probably haven't cut the mustard and it's time for someone else. I, I agree with that, Triby. I I, to be honest, I don't think he's doing enough to command his place in the side. Um, I was very critical of that incident with the Sydney game, but you know I could see the the reasons why they kept him on after that. But he's not doing enough. I think he had you know for a key midfielder eleven possessions last night, and like you pointed out, uh, missed some really influential uh, moments in the game, which does break your momentum uh, as a team. And uh, yeah, look, I'd be hoping that. Some other boys uh, probably get an opportunity uh, this week coming up against Richmond and Melbourne. Saying that, you know, they might fall in love with the lure of maybe playing Kane one more time uh, on that fast and hard track at Eddie Had. That's the uh, that might be his only saving grace. But uh, I just feel like he seems to not like the physical contest uh, overly much. And uh, I disagree with yeah. that. Do you? Yeah, I don't know. I just, I just because he's yeah. pretty much uh, in our top three tacklers. I think he's uh, he's someone who's. I, I think that's why they love him, the coaching stuff. Yeah, I but think you can they ta- love his defensive you can ability. Tackle. You can tackle, but still not like the physical contest. Mm. You know, the physical contest can be putting your head over or running hard towards a ball, knowing that something's coming the other way. That's what I'm talking about. Physical contest. Yeah. Um, you know, running to tackle a player. Is, is physical, but, yeah, a little bit different at the same time. There's another player that's sort of a bit unlucky with injury that would be really handy now, maybe Andrew Moore. Yes, absolutely. Definitely. I think he's, he's a Monty to be in the side if he was oh. fit. If he was fit all year, he would have played most of the, the season, in my opinion. Hopefully he comes back fit and firing very soon. Well, look, we've uh, we've almost slid our own wrists here. How about we talk about the best players? <laughs> talk about a few positives, because there were a few players that did play very, very well. Yeah, obviously, uh, fourth and fifth best, throw a blanket over them. I thought O'Shea and Pittard, as we said earlier. I mean, they stood up to the aerial assault and really tried to get us going. Um, O'Shea, in particular, looked... There was a spoil early in the first quarter where he absolutely sprinted back with a flight and killed the contest. And I thought, wow, that's probably something we've lacked all year from him. And that's what he made his name to do uh, late last year. Yep. Pittard the same. 
you know, he makes the odd mistake, but you can cop that when he was just about the only engine down back that was doing something positive. Um, third, Hamish Hartlett, uh, much better week, as we've said. Um, clearly needed the week back to freshen up and, you know, eight clearances I think he had. Where would we be without him? Schultz, I had a second best. I mean, even though he only had... I love my key forwards, even though he only had, was it, seven or eight touches. He was ridiculously efficient. And if he wasn't on the field in that first half, we would have been a duck egg the half time, which if you'd told me that a couple of weeks ago, I would have uh, called you a liar and then probably triggered a fist fight. Um, and first best, I'll go Robbie Gray. He's held to a ridiculous standard. And I actually saw some people criticising him after the game last night, which I just thought was insane. Um, he, again... It was an absolute shining light in the middle. He's got so much vision and uh, ability inside. And as I, I, mean, I made this comparison four or five years ago, but if he had a yard or two more pace, he would be held in the exact same esteem as Gary Ablett. He's just that good. And uh, had it all come together, the win would largely be as a result of his efforts in the middle. Yeah, can't disagree with that at all, mate. The, the only thing with problem with Robbie Gray is we can't clone him and have another one of him in the forward line because we we seem to lack a little bit in the when we don't have him in the forward line. Yeah, it's getting Gold Coast esque. You know, if uh, if we don't have him in, in a particular area, we actually visibly look ten or fifteen percent down. That's how good he's been. That's exactly right. Yeah. Well, look, I actually had Jasper right up there. Um, probably until the last quarter. Um, you know, Robbie, after the first quarter, really just took the game on and, and stamped it as his own. And uh, I agree with you completely, mate. I thought he was uh, best on ground. Um, I actually did have Jasper, and not because of my love affair with him as second best. I thought he was a key contributor to our uh, our game the whole night, and he really tried giving run and carry. And, you know, he was very influential for us. So uh, I had him as uh, as second best. Uh, Hamish Hartlett was, yeah, he was up there, loved his hardness, got more ball. I don't know if he did a lot of with, with the ball all that often, but, um, you know, it was one of his better games for the year. Uh, Jay Schultz, I had fourth, and uh, Pollock uh, for his second half where he definitely improved on the first half where he was quiet, gave us a lot of run and carry. Um, I would have liked to have probably put O'Shea up there, but... Um, I think he just needed he need, he needs another game, uh, basically. No fault of his own. He got some ball and he did some great things, but he also caused uh, a lot of turnovers, uh, which is only just picking up the tempo of the game. So it's a very minor criticism of him. Obviously, when you've been stuck in the SANFL all year, it's going to take you a little bit of time to adjust. And you know we're kidding ourselves if you, we're just going to expect some of these players just to uh, come straight back in and be superstars. You know they're not Chris Judds and Gary Ablett, some of these guys. So you know he hopefully gets a, another two or three games to to prove his worth now. Spot on. Like it. My best player was uh, Matty White. I had him best on ground. I thought it was his. Uh, I thought it was a, a really strong four quarter effort from him. Um, a lot of times this year he's ha- he's had a big start to the game, a big end to the game, but not much in between. But I thought he he played a really really good four quarter effort. He was pretty much um, one of our only players that were really taking the game on, uh, running the lines and, and trying to create something up forward. Um, I had Jasper Pittard second best. Um, similar to Whitey, I thought he was uh, he was fantastic in taking the game on, 
um, trying to create and run from defense, and that's exactly what we needed. He was just about the only player going direct through the corridor. Um, yeah, he made a couple of errors, but I don't really care this week. I thought he was bloody fantastic. Uh, Matty Loby is third best. I thought he controlled the ruck contest against Ryder really well. You know, found our, found his teammates uh, with the ball a lot with his uh, with his ruck work, um, and by God, he took a great contested mark in the last quarter there. That's why you're giving him a couple of eights, Macca, because of Absolutely. that one mark. You really I, I fell off your chair with excitement. I, I did. I jumped up and went, oh, my goodness, I was agog. <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to get the word agog in there. So. It, was the, it was the Troy Simmons moment of the match, that contest. That, that's it. That's it. Uh, Schultze I had as fourth best. You know, just a, a great player, a great leader. He kicked three goals. As you said, Triby, he was just about the only forward we had in the first half. And uh, I had Homsch as uh, as my fifth best. I thought he played a really good game on Danaher. Um, and I thought his ball usage um, was very, very good as well. So how can we turn it around? Can we turn it around against Richmond this week? Well, as long as we don't get sucked into uh, um, playing Richmond's game, I guess. they like Richmond like to play what that slower possession uh, chippy game plan so I mean Ken Hinckley as an assistant coach was able to tear us a new one for five or six years under the Geelong regime so surely he knows how to pull apart that game plan and I think playing uh, indoors is coming at the very very right time for us Yeah I, um, I saw a bit of the Richmond-Brisbane game this week and Richmond were not impressive at all Brisbane's Brisbane's issues are well documented, and they had a great win last week against North Melbourne. But honestly, with all due respect to Brisbane, if we can't be X amount superior to what they dished up against Richmond and got within what was it three or four goals, um, we're just not serious, and it's time to go back to the drawing board. Yep. Absolutely, and if we don't tag Delidio this week, I don't oh. know what's going. On. Yep. Mm. So, do you think um, us and Hawks? Uh, are in a bit of trouble with the top four on current form at the moment. Yep. I, I think mean, Fremantle, Fremantle's draw is well documented and they're going to come home like a train. Yeah. I'm think... thinking it's going to be Sydney top, Frio yep. second, to be honest. And uh, I still think I, I think what might happen is we might finish third, Geelong might finish fourth because they've got a soft draw. Uh, Hawthorne's got a very, very tough draw and it wouldn't surprise me if they drop out and finish fifth, to be honest which means that we might be playing Frio in Perth in the first week of the finals. Yeah, that'll be May tough. God have mercy on us all. Yeah, we, we, might just, we might just have to book a hotel room for a week and just stay there. Yeah, it's not panic stations for me yet. No. I'm pretty confident in what we can do. Um, you know, it's just a matter of putting it all together. Well, where, where are we going just quickly before we go? Um, our forward line obviously is a bit of an issue. Our tall key position forwards. Do we have the forward stock? Do we need to look at really trying to trade aggressively this year to try and get a star forward? Um, is that really where our area of concern is? Lysett's the man, isn't he? Like, yeah. while we wait for whatever's going on with Redden, because I don't think we should count our chickens there because he's been permanently injured for the best part of three years, hasn't he? Um, yeah, so uh, failing Redden coming back to any level of fitness and ability, then uh, Lysett is the obvious choice, either as that ruck forward or just the big boy who you plonk up forward as West Coast are doing. So 
I, can't, I don't see the likes of Tom Hawkins or, you know, any of these type of marquee forwards as any sort of reality, either in free agency or via trade. So, Yeah, I wouldn't see um, Hawkins definitely being possible. Um, is there, do we look at maybe, a, a, you know, one of the younger forwards that's been in the system one, two or three years, trying to grab one of those? You know, do we look at paying top dollar to try and bring someone over? Do we do we look at a couple of our star players in italic brackets, and um, you know, do we can we? I'll just pick a hypothetical here, not saying that it that it would happen, but you know, do, do we look at maybe uh, using a Justin Westoff that's maybe an under underperforming key forward to try and um, you know suck an, an opposition team in to try and get maybe a potential star? Uh, I think we have to be a bit clever because obviously the. To get a key forward, you need to be bottom one, two, or three, really. And we're not going to do that. And probably, hopefully, we're not going to be doing that for a while. So we're going to have to be very clever with our trading. Yeah, well, fingers crossed. Hope, like anything, that uh, Mason Shaw and John Butcher come good as soon as possible. Yeah. Well, as well. I mean, we've got them there. They just need to round off. All right, boys. Triby, thanks for coming on again, buddy. No, I can't say it's an absolute pleasure because honestly, uh, I've spent all day absolutely ruining the fact we've got to go over this game. So mm. I enjoyed it, though. It was fun. It was good. It was good. <laughs> Rick? As always, the bonus is I've got an extra day to try and now think of another different intro for Thursday night. So <laughs> that's, that's good. Good work, boys. Until next time, go Port Adelaide. Hashtag away by Michael at ground level. Here's a chance for Stevens. Stevens goes high and long towards the goal square. Two or two, boom!